0: hello and welcome to the podcast my name is lindo and i am the host of the podcast i recently finished reading a book called the right to sex by amir srinivasan the book was recommended by the brilliant 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 dan maforam who goes by dan's my whole name on twitter so definitely go go check him out in the book the right to sex amia contends with a lot of controversial topics one of which is the title of the book which asks the question do we have the right to sex or do people have the right to sex and when she tries to contend with this question she writes quite a bit about desire right the kind of sex that people want to have who they want to have it with. Um, Obviously, she writes a bit about, not a bit, but she writes a lot about consent, the politics of consent. More specifically, I appreciated the fact that she didn't just look at consent as a matter of yes or no, but in the book, she really challenges us to think about the conditions under which people consent to sex, right? So not only to have like a blanket approach of was the consent or not, but to say, even if there was consent, but what are the conditions, what are the circumstances um, around which that consent was given. But, but that's not where I want to zoom in or focus in on this podcast. Um, she writes quite a lot about desire, right? The kind of sex that people want to have who people are attracted to what they're attracted to, and the politics that underpin people's attraction. But she walks a very thin line in the book in terms of the fact that she doesn't want to police people's desire, she doesn't want to dictate the kind of sex that adults can and cannot have but she really wants us to interrogate why we desire the things we desire or the people that we desire or why we want to engage in certain sexual acts and i have spoken on this podcast before about preferences right i have an episode about preferences in which i said that when people say that they do not prefer fat people black people dark-skinned people differently abled bodies those kinds of things that those preferences don't fall from the sky and that they are root and many of them are rooted in isms right racism colorism sexism those kinds of things and so i kind of did like a similar thing in that podcast where i said i'm not gonna tell you not to like what you like but i'm gonna ask you to think about why you like what you like and in today's episode, I want to kind of expand on that conversation a bit and talk about policing certain desires. And But I want to speak about a desire that I think we should police. <laughs> but but I don't also want us to police this desire, but I do want us to think about... I do want people... I, I do want us to have a conversation about this desire. And I do want people to really think about why these desires exist And why we desire these things. So when so I I like read weird stuff and listen to weird stuff and watch weird stuff. And one of the weird things that I've listened to and read about are is a group of people, it's a big internet community of people who do not necessarily self-identify as pedophiles. But those people do recognize that they are attracted, sexually attracted, and sexually desire children. Now, this is a very, very sensitive issue, right? Because obviously, there is the potential of a crime being committed here. So, the It is a common cause amongst everyone, right, that children do not have the capacity to consent to sex. Although different countries have different ages um, of consent, but the general consensus is that a child cannot consent to sex with an adult. And that's why it is illegal for an adult to have sex with a child. That's where we get things like pedophilia from, right? Now, this group of people on the internet, right, they say that they have an innate, natural, instinctive sexual attraction to children. But they understand that children cannot consent to any sexual act with them as adults. And so they do not act on the sexual attraction, but you recognize that it is there. And also they have, these people have come together as a community on the internet, sort of share tips, I guess, in terms of how to navigate having this desire, but also knowing that you can never act on it. Right? So th- th- this is one place in which, from a legal perspective and to an extent from a moral social perspective as well, where we have policed desire, right? Where we have said to people, we have said to the adult population of the world that a child cannot consent to a sexual act with you and therefore you cannot initiate a sexual act with a child. And even, even if a child does consent, does give a yes, right? that yes isn't consent because they do not have the capacity to consent to such a thing and so what i'm trying to bring out here right is that there are certain desires that we have we have policed as society with good reason because the reason behind that is that we want to protect children but also in there right it, it, it or learn not say in there, but what that brings out is that people, adult people, have the capacity to be aroused by children, and that adult people have the capacity, or rather, they have the desire not everyone, obviously, this is not for everyone, right? But there are adult people who do have the desire to engage. In sexual activity, sexual acts with children. Cool. Now, there are like many reports, many studies, many those kinds of things that are done um, around the subject of people's pattern of consumption in pornography. And one of the chapters in in Amir's book is called Talking to My Students About Porn in which she really takes a deep dive into the subject of pornography, how that influences the way people have sex, how that teaches people how to have sex and the kinds of materials that people are consuming in pornography. And one of the biggest... Categories of porn is the teen category. And also, for people who consume heterosexual porn, there is this v- very big theme of a small, petite, pale, clean shaven white girl, right? who stands as the main character of a scene or a movie and things like that. And essentially that person gets the way Amia writes about it in the book is that she gets fucked, right? By sometime an, an average bodied white man. But most of the time it's by a significantly bigger black man. now, I don't need to tell you as an adult, right? That the picture of a small, short, petite, pale, clean-shaven white girl very strongly resembles the image and the picture of a child or a teenager, right? So, the, uh, and, and, and that category, right, in porn of a small white girl who gets fucked by this big, guy, this big black guy is an extremely popular category. And as, as a matter of fact, there are entire studios, production companies who specialize in only producing that kind of content, right? Because it's hot and it sells. I mean, there are, like, other categories, like, um, BBWs, like, big big black women, um, who also sell as well, but the very existence and popularity of the category of a small, clean-shaven, petite, skinny white girl, right, being so popular, for me, is cause for concern, because, And as much as there is no policing of that kind of content, right, there are no laws, it's generally socially acceptable that this category of um, adult entertainment exists, people enjoy it, people consume it, people make it, there's an entire industry around it. But when we look at it, you know, some can say this is a surface-level reading of it, some will say this is a deeper reading of it. But when we look at it, right... And 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 when we're trying to look at what is it that people are desiring in that content, what is it about? Uh, what is it about an, a model or an actress who looks like a thirteen-year-old girl that is getting people sexually aroused? That's that's really the question that I want to ask, guys. Because in as much as I said in the beginning that I don't want to police people's desires. And in as much you know and obviously, though women in these scenes are consenting adults, right? I'm not gonna go into the politics of what drives people into sex work, into pornography and things like that. But let's assume that this is uh, an adult woman who is of sound body and mind who's making a conscious decision to enter into pornography or sex work, right? The, the, there aren't any legal issues around that it's consenting. It's two or more, <laughs> two or more consenting adults who are shooting this movie or shooting the scene and doing this thing, right? What I'm what I am questioning is why does someone who looks like, even though they're not, but why does someone who looks like who looks like they could easily be a 15, 16-year-old girl getting fucked by a man who's big and looks like they could well be in their 30s or 40s, why is that a picture that sells and something that gets millions of people aroused? I'm deeply uncomfortable with this. Right? And so, I really want us to the people who are listening to this podcast anyway, really think about that, right? Like really contend with the idea of why is that a picture that is arousing? Because in in as much as the person who's consuming the content is very much aware that the person on the the other side of the screen is a consenting adult, but the fact that you like seeing someone who looks like a child get have sex with a big black man for me that's very 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 worrying and people should really really think about that and this is obviously this is not to say that i think that category of pornography should be banned because again policing people's desires doesn't really work right like we there's no one who can say that we need to like legislate to stop that theme of pornography from being produced. Because also the other thing is that on the other side of this is the fact that most people, right? Do not have a lot of control over what their bodies look like. And so if a woman is naturally petite, naturally skinny, is naturally just a pale, skinny, petite, short, white girl, because of how that person's body looks, they should not be excluded from being able to participate in making adult content simply because of what their bodies look like, right? It's the same thing with um, little people as well. With 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 little people, you know, it, it, that gets a lot more complex for me because not only now is this person adult height, but they're just short. But now, like, it's, this is a little person, right? And you know, with um, little, with, with a lot of little people, and as much as this person might be little, but you can see by the way that their body is. By, by the way your body looks at this is an adult person, right? Um, even like the person's face as well will show that they're an adult person. They're just in a very small body. But then when people like go the extra mile to get a little person who then will again be petite, clean shaven, and basically people who will go at great lengths to make this person look like a child. I don't know. I don't know how ethical that is. I really don't know how ethical that is, right? Because in as much as the person who, who is doing the scene, who's performing, who's there is a consenting adult, but the image that you're feeding consciously, excuse me, or subconsciously is that this man is having sex with a child or someone who very strongly resembles a child. right. But going back to to this point, people whose bodies are naturally smaller, whether this person is petite, whether they're short, or whether they're an actual little person, that should not mean that this person cannot participate in adult entertainment, because that is an adult who has full autonomy over, over their body. And, you know, it definitely is a feminist praxis. (laughs) Praxis. its definitely like feminist practice and feminist theory that people have complete autonomy over their bodies and have free will to do as they please as adults, as well as as long as it's within the confines of the law, right? Um, As well as the social contract, and so it would not make sense under the law or the the social contract or under any feminist or liberatory politic. To say that people who look a certain way by virtue of just natural bodies that they have should not be allowed to participate in pornography, right? But then, what of the question of saying now we're gonna take these people who have these kinds of bodies and then we're gonna deliberately, we're gonna deliberately try and make them look like they're 13, we're gonna deliberately try and make them look like they're 16. And also have the other person that they're participating in the scene with be significantly bigger than them. And then we, and also, I want us to be very cognizant of the fact that we're not talking about a niche, small genre of porn that is only consumed by like small pockets of the population. Right? We're talking about a massive genre. of the biggest genre of straight porn is a small petite girl who gets fucked by this big black man right like we're we're talking about an overwhelming image here and so to me and especially when i'm looking at this reading the book and just simmering on it and thinking about it also thinking about you know like pedophilia in the world and, and all of that, it's very difficult for me not to land the fact that that category of adult entertainment has underlying pedophilia. Or that the people who like that kind of content, who consume that kind of content, whether they know it or not, might have pedophilic tendency. Obviously, you know... These people are not acting out on them. Well, let me not say, obviously. <laughs> I hope these people are acting out on them, right? But it is, I think, a very valid question to raise to say, why do you like this? Why do you like someone who looks like they're 15 having sex on camera? And, you know, also the, the, the people that I spoke about earlier in the podcast who admittedly who admit that they are sexually attracted to children um those people have said that that genre of porn is very helpful to them right because it sort of allows them to um sort of like live out that fantasy even though it's through a screen they get their release and so they don't like actually do anything to children in their life right there have been um as well uh sex dolls who ha- that have been produced in the image of um, children so that these people can use them as sexual outlets so they don't actually act out on the sexual urges that they have. And so I'll close this off by saying that as far as that particular genre of adult entertainment is concerned, I want us to have some very serious conversations about that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have anything else you want to add, there's a voice note function in the description box or you can reach out to me on Twitter at lindo_king. underscore King. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.